It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning and welcome to another Saturday morning edition of the Sun Solar Panel. Thank you everybody for joining the show. I'm really glad you're here. We have some interesting topics to go over this morning, including a a late night bomb that came out on the uh, Twitter sphere on Friday night that we'll address later on in the show. But we already had a show sheet together. We are going to get to some of that first. uh, And then we'll get to the uh, rumors on what the Suns might do at the trade deadline um, before the end of the show, for sure. Joining me today is my regular partner, Zona Hoops. How's it going, man? Not bad. Uh, 41 and 10. Can't complain. I mean, obviously, the Hawks game is a little disappointing, and we'll get into that. But, you know, still sitting at the top of the league, and we got Monty in the All-Star game. So still a great time to, to be a Suns fan. That's right. And we have joining us for the first time. I don't know. Some of you already know about this. I saw you are learning right now. His name is Ethan Shutt, and he runs the Into the Valley podcast. It's a Phoenix Suns podcast that started independently and then was kind enough to join us on the Brightside Podcast Network along with Fanning the Flames. And uh, you guys, have they've, they've released a few episodes on there, and they're going to continue on a weekly basis. They usually release on Mondays. And they're a really, really good show. It's a three-person ensemble. Um, they're not located in Phoenix, but you wouldn't be able to tell by how great they are at their analysis of the Suns. So this is Ethan Shutt. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you both. Yeah, um, randomly starting a Suns podcast in Kentucky, not the uh, easiest thing to do by any means, but appreciate the opportunity to get connected with you guys. Been reading your stuff and listening to you guys for a long time. So it's exciting for me for sure. Well, all right. Well, uh, this, uh, this is a great chance for you to get involved here. You get to know what's going on, and uh, we get a little bit of crossover. Um, so we have a four-part show today, as everybody knows who's joined us on the show. Uh, we're going to recap this past week, and there's a few things that happened uh, to the Suns, real things, not just rumor things, but actual things that happened to the Suns. In the second quarter, we're going to talk about what went wrong versus the Hawks. I got a little bit of uh, tough love from friends on what we titled this show. How did the Hawks expose the Suns? But we'll talk through that. There was some exposure that happened. It's, it's, I never suggested it was uh, season ending, but certainly there was a little bit of exposing going on. Uh, we got a true or false question uh, section as usual, and then we're going to go over what's co- what's to come the next week. Before we go any further, though, I want to recognize a friend of the show who left a five star review 
on our um, Apple podcast feed. And I really appreciate that. You guys got to listen to our audio podcast. I get regular guests all the time. I get guests from around the country who will weigh in on uh, different things, different topics for the Suns, or just tell us what they're hearing at the trade deadline. I have four different insiders in the past month. So just recently, we got a new five-star review, and I appreciate those. Uh, it's titled, Ooh, Dave, Stat Me, and I do have a stat me later in the show for us. Uh, folks, this is some great Suns content, great interviews, knowledgeable hosts, and just all around great listen. Highly recommend. Kipstar701, thank you so much for the, for the listen. I appreciate it. All right, let's go into the first quarter, recapping the past week, uh, the Suns. First of all, they went two and one, just as Zona Hoops predicted, and uh, Pollyanna Dave uh, had predicted three and zero, oh and and was surprised by the Friday night loss. So uh, Zona, did the week go the way you thought it was going to go with the two and one? Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I feel like there's always the weird stuff that happens in Atlanta. So I picked us to lose that game. Just you know, Trey Young played very well, and they just couldn't miss and. Uh, it was about what I expected, honestly. There, there's always those weird road games, and uh, you know this, this upcoming road trip too could could be tough. So this is that stretch of the season where you know weird stuff's going to happen. You just gotta live with it when you're 41 and 10. The sky's not falling just because of one loss, you know. How about you, Ethan? Did the week go the way you thought it would go? I to to the point of weird things happen in Atlanta. I've actually watched the Suns play in Atlanta a few times, lived there, and it doesn't even matter if they're good or not. Playing in Atlanta seems to be a tough thing to do for anyone. When the team's shooting 50% from three, you know, it's a whole different story. But I, I got to be honest, I was I was hoping for 3-0. and I was thinking the streak would continue. Um, but... You know, things happen. I think if people were putting money on it, the Nets game probably would have been the loss to go two and one this week. Uh, but, you know, you can't complain, like you said, when you've got best record in the league. But I do hate losing to Trey Young. Just a weird little thing that burns inside me. But uh, hopefully we can take care of that later. Uh Yes, it burns inside most of us, man, watching uh, Trey Young beat the Suns. Uh, look, there was there was a lot of stuff to throw away and sweep under the rug and ignore out of that game. But there are a couple of things that did worry me that I want us to talk through um, when we get there. Let's finish recapping the week. Um, Monty Williams and his staff were officially named because uh, the Suns did finish with the best record pre-All-Star break a week ahead of the deadline for having the best record in the West. That's how far ahead they are. And uh, they will teach Monty Williams and his staff will coach Team LeBron. Now it's not East versus West anymore, but the only, the only, and the only one that Monty's guaranteed to coach is LeBron. And then whoever LeBron drafts in their little snake draft uh, between him and and uh, who's the captain in the East? Is it still Kevin Durant, or did they name a new captain? I don't know. Anyway, Kevin Durant got the highest votes in the East, but he's not going to be in the game, so I'm not sure he's going to be drafting for his teams or not. Uh, but anyway, Monty may be coaching against Chris Paul and Devin Booker was the point I was trying to make. And then the assistant coaches are going to help coach the Rising Stars tournament. None of the Suns, shockingly, were named to the Rising Stars um, 12 sophomores, 12 rookies, and four G League Ignite players. Um, for some for some reason, they decided to ignore Ish Wainwright, who looks like a linebacker, 
and they ignored Sticks, who had two weeks, two good weeks in a year and a half. But, you know, you can only hope for so much. Um, the the Suns assistant coaches will coach. It's a three-game tournament, I think. It's like a four, I don't know. It's a little mini tournament and three rounds. And uh, whoever wins, so it's going to be a series of games on Friday night. It might remind us of Summer League for those who've been to Summer League where, the, where there's game after game after game. So that's All-Star Friday. All-Star Saturday, we don't know yet who's in the three-point contest. I'm hoping Cam Johnson gets a nod. He leads the league in uh, three-point percentage on volume for folks, depending on which which volume you want to take. Uh, but you can't give credit to the guys who have only taken five this year, so it's got to be on volume. And But he's not a starter. He doesn't average 18 a game, uh, you know, 18 attempts a game or whatever Steph takes. Um, and we don't know how deep they're going to go on on people in the, in the three-point contest. So it's probably more likely that Devin Booker gets the nod for the three-point contest, just out of nostalgia. He's been in four of them so far. He's 1-1. One, one. Um, Chris Paul, uh, he was in the in the uh, Saturday night skills contest a couple of years ago, but I doubt he's going to do that again. Uh, so we'll see if any, the Suns are doing anything on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all-star reserves. They did not get voted into starting lineup, but they will be uh, reserves for one of the two teams. What do you guys think of how that worked out with the All-Stars? Is it obviously it was to be expected, but was there, was there anything disappointing or surprising to you? Uh, let's start with Ethan. I would say the biggest highlight for me, and Brandon already touched on it, I think Monty and his staff getting to coach seems like the biggest deal. Um, hopefully you guys were able to listen if you are J.J. Reddick supporters. I know many aren't, but his podcast is killer, and, and Chris Paul was on again this week. And he made it very clear, like that was a team goal and has been to, to get them there. I think he said the entire staff, it's going to be their first, except maybe one assistant. So that was that was the big news that I'm really excited about. Um, in terms of the rest, as much fun as it would be to see Jalen Smith be called a rising star in any capacity. Um, you know, Book and Chris getting actually into the All-Star game was exciting. Booker not having to be a replacement was exciting. Um, but yeah, I think the three-point contest, that might be our last chance to get one more person across the threshold there. But overall, I thought it was was good news unless you were in the Aiton or McHale camp. But I think that's really asking a lot these days, just seeing that we don't have uh, five Atlanta Hawks from 2013 being all-stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think they did a good job picking the reserves. Uh, it was about what I expected, more or less. And uh, like you said, just very happy for Monty and his staff. They all deserve it. Uh, they, they've been working their butts off, and they didn't get coach of the year. Or Monty didn't get, get coach of the year last year, so uh, probably not going to win it this year either with the, how they vote. It's it's more of I, ref I refuse, man. That's if if there's one thing that'll upset me this year, but especially <laughs> I think he's now up to two coach of the months. If he yeah. manages to make it back even if it's the second best record in the league, it needs to be a makeup from last year. I'm glad James Jones got his love, but yeah, Monty deserves wrong. it. I'm going to call it right year. here. I'm going to call it right here. It's going to be J.B. Bickerstaff unless it oh, falls off. Probably. Uh, it's it's not because about who's the best coach. I know. Prisoners of the moment. Or yeah. Does the, like, the most with less, supposedly. Yeah. So that's that's how that works. But yeah, Hey, yeah, given Monty how everyone – finals team. Well, the thing is, the way everyone talked about the Suns team last year, you'd think they should have been a seven seed this year, given about mm -hmm. how much 
luck and injuries played a role in it. I think Monty gets this young team best record in the league. Man, I'd, I'll be upset. I don't get upset about a lot of the all-star stuff, but I think Monty deserves it more than about anyone else. Hey, I had Matt Moore on preseason, HP Paroxysm, HP Basketball, Hardwood Paroxysm, HP Basketball, um, that guy. And he uh, he actually thought the Suns would would not reach their their win total that Vegas had put up. Vegas posted a 51.5 win total for the Suns this year. In an 82-game season, they won 51 a year ago. And Matt Moore, he, to his credit, he said they're probably not going to care as much about the regular season this year because they're going to want Chris Paul healthy and rested in the playoffs. Um, but they will be just as dangerous in the playoffs. That's literally what he said. But he thought they would have a bit of a, a lull during the regular season because they wouldn't care as much. What I told him is that Chris Paul – doesn't understand those words that just came out of your mouth. He has no understanding. He was pissed at the thunder for trying to manage his minutes. He's been pissed at everybody basically his entire career, except his teammates. Uh, so there's no way he's going to give up a single regular season game. And, and that's turned out to be more true than, than not. So Matt Moore has recently told me he was absolutely dead wrong. And now he's actually, he's picking the Suns to be, come out of the West. Um, and he, to his credit, he picked the Suns to come out of the West a year ago after they beat his uh, local Denver team. So but that was before he picked the Nuggets to win in six. So I'm not forgetting. No, I know. He picked the Nuggets in six. And it was so funny because he picked the Nuggets because that's his local team. He covers them. Yeah. He's not a fan. Journalists are not fans. I'm not a journalist. I'm a blogger and a podcaster. Totally different than journalism. Uh, but he, uh, he said that um, he thought Denver would pick just because they'd been so good in playoffs in years prior. And the Suns hadn't proven anything yet. But once the Suns beat Denver, then he picked the Suns to come out of the West last year. So he's not a hater. He's just not a lover. That's all. All right. We got one more item that uh, came up that I thought we'd talk a little bit about. Uh, before we get into the big news, uh, the big, well, the big rumor drop, uh, it's not necessarily news. But one thing that actually did happen in the NBA yesterday was the Portland Trailblazers dumping two really good rotation players on the Clippers for basically cash to get under the luxury tax this year and to get under the salary or whatever, get under it for next year too so that they can uh, basically do a rebuild. Although I don't know what a rebuild looks like if you've still got Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum on your team. So what happened was the Blazers traded uh, Robert Covington who Suns fans have wanted, including myself, um, as another wing for the Suns, and Norm Powell, who they had just signed to a five-year, $20 million a year contract this last offseason. He dumped those two onto the uh, Clippers, who are thrilled, um, and uh, for nothing but you know bits and pieces and, and cap space. Um, Zona, what was your reaction when you saw that, and what's your reaction now? Has anything, you know, it's like immediate versus next day. I hate how much I love it for the Clippers. Uh, they're just in the right place at the right time. I think sometimes that just happens and, you know, you're able to absorb that salary and the Blazers wanted to get under the tax and uh, poor Dame. I mean, the Blazers, they're a mess. I, I have no idea what's going to happen there, but uh, I think it's a great deal for the Clippers, especially once they're full strength. Um, it's a trade that makes sense this year and, and next year as well, I think for them. So uh, definitely a win for them. And I, yeah. I'm more afraid of a full strength Clippers team than I am the Warriors. So that probably won't happen until next year, but 
you know, there's yeah, I too. think uh, Ty Lu let it slip in a post game this week that he, or maybe pre, but anyway, in a, in a news conference that he is not expecting um, Kawhi at all this year. And they're only hoping for good news on Paul George when he gets reevaluated after the, after the all-star break. Um, so that's, they're, they're not going to be healthy this year. They might have Paul George back and now they've got Norm Powell to go with him and, and Rocco. So they'll still be dangerous, but uh, they won't be full strength in, until next year. Most likely, who knows, you know, Kawhi might come out like, uh, you know, dun, 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 like Rocky at some point and just suddenly play like he's never missed a beat. That's possibly true. And that would be the most dangerous uh, Suns opponent, in my opinion, as well, Zona. Ethan, what do you think? I will say when the news broke, my first reaction was just it's it's a new city for Eric Bledsoe to say, I don't want to be here. Right. That guy. What a what a drop in terms of you notice how I didn't even career. say his name. <laughs> I know I'm proud of you. But in terms of just career relevance, and this is again, I'm a Kentucky guy. I loved watching him play here, but man, how things have have turned for the worse there. But I don't know. I I absolutely do fall in the camp of Robert Cummington brings value, but I also fall in the camp of he is one of these magic names that gets discussed every trade deadline as this missing piece, this this wonderful 3 and D guy that will elevate a team somewhere, right? It's like what they think P.J. Tucker actually is, but it just doesn't, I don't know if it quite makes sense for for the Trailblazers at all because you only make the salary dump as if you think you can pull something off, right? But I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe they can put that money to good use. Only thing I could think of is if maybe they're already looking to that CJ or Dame trade down the road, and that's where the money matters. Um, but no, I think the Clippers, my goodness, what a what a steal. Getting rid of Bledsoe, Winslow, a second-round pick, I think, and getting two guys that are absolutely playoff roster guys, which is something the Suns are already seeing the value of. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it happened, but I think if you're a Clippers fan, you're thrilled. If you're a Blazers fan, you're already probably miserable. So nothing changes too much there. Yeah, imagine I I, I commented on this last last uh, summer on the pod, but imagine being Eric Bledsoe watching the Suns and the Bucks in the finals, the last two teams he had played for, and then didn't want to be there anymore. And now, uh, boom, here they are in the finals. So. Yeah, probably now the Clippers are going to go on a run at some point, at least make the Western Conference Finals against the against the Suns um, before they go down. So we'll see. Uh, maybe not this year, maybe next year. Either way, the Suns are here to stay, uh, absolutely for sure. All right, so uh, the Trailblazers are kind of in this weird – you got to expect that the Trailblazers are going to make a bunch more moves because you don't just trade two supporting guys to help Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum be – respectable and they're not even playoff caliber right now and this year little's already been lost for the re for the season so it's just weird um so they're going to be making more moves and they're probably my guess is they're going to shut down dame at some point for the year because of his his uh, abdominal issue yeah the only the only thing i saw when i was trying to gauge because again there's no speculation of a magic trade coming their way the only thing i did read a few places is that they're hoping that anthony simons can get some sort of extension locked up with some of that extra money. Um, it's into his credit. He's played exceptionally well. 
Um, the kid still looks like he's 15 years old, but he's got some money going his way. Maybe that's a part of it, locking up the young pieces they're hoping to build around post Lillard McCollum. But yeah, I just, I can't make sense of it, to be honest with you, of, of what they're hoping to get out of this. Oh yeah. And as so says Jay, um, because I actually recognized the Milwaukee Bucks as an NBA team last summer, um, I'm suddenly now a Bucks fan. Yeah, I think they're probably still going to come out of the East. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on to second quarter. Now, this is the uh, this is the leading title for this show, and I'm curious um, if you guys think that my concerns are 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 valid or not. And when I say, did the Hawks expose the Suns? A lot of people think that means I think the Suns are done for. That's not it. But I do think that the Hawks did a couple of things or induced Monty Williams into doing a couple of things that I wasn't really happy with. Um, uh, And it also exposed that the Suns' defense has been slipping. So the first thing I want to point out is that the Hawks made 23s. Very similar to the Portland game in week one of the season when Portland just surprisingly blew out the Suns because they weren't really trying. The Suns went on an 18-game winning streak after that. But Portland still did. um, uh, That is one way to beat the Suns. Make 23s, hope the Suns miss all theirs. That is a way to beat the Suns. So there's a a level of exposing right there. Uh, But really what, what I wanted to point out and was true in that Portland game all those weeks ago and is true again now is that the Suns' defense has been slipping a little bit. Uh, they were uh, until uh, I think it was right after that Hawks game. Uh, they had been 15th or 13th in defense over the past 15 games when they're second overall for the season. And with eight and out, no, wait, ninth in defense over the last 15 games. With eight and out, they were 13th in defense. Uh, so uh, that is that is something to worry about that the Suns got more. Uh, are, are falling off a little bit as the shots are falling better because in that same range, they were first, second, or third in offense. So and this happened last year as well. So I'm not saying it's like anything to worry about because the Suns obviously picked up the defense in the playoffs again. But in the second half, like after the Suns were first in the in, in offense for the last three months of the regular season, their defense fell off a little bit and they finished ninth on the year. So, uh, Zona, are you worried at all about the Suns losing focus on the defensive end? No, uh, not not even a little bit. I think it's just one of those games you just chalk up to the, the Hawks shot the ball well. And, uh, you know, whenever your defense is scrambling like that, trying to, you know, prevent Trey Young from doing Trey Young things, then it's just going to snowball. And that's just kind of what happened. And, I mean, everyone was panicking when the Suns were 1-3 and three this season. And I was – chilling you know there's there's yeah. no issues there I, I, it's just part of the season you're just gonna have to take these lumps every now and then uh you know i'm, I'm never gonna worry over one game in the regular season uh unless it becomes like a trend and at, at this point like yes they've had some slip-ups on on defense um for the most part though i think that's just a variety of injuries uh you know trying to mix guys in randomly and, and you know bismack is what is he 12 and 0 now uh when he plays so i think that that's the number one reason they lost is he didn't play so, oh uh, yeah, free business. Yeah, just like Frank Kaminsky, I think the Suns were eleven and zero, and Frank Kaminsky starts a year ago, right? Yeah, hey, so. and Frank looked good this year too, man. I had <laughs> I had high hopes after those early games, but yeah, he's having a career year. I mean, every big that's 
been here pretty much has had career years. It's just James Jones, everything he touches, like, turns a gold. He, he turned a linebacker into, you know, a, a useful role player, small ball center, and Ish Wainwright. So just, sh- like, shout out to James Jones. Uh, Ethan, I'll let you go in just a sec, but let me point out, Blaze hit it, um, hit on it really well in the comments here. Uh, the the Suns this year, because they've added JaVale McGee and now Bismack Biombo, have really dialed in on the drop coverage on, on pick and rolls, which means that the center drops all the way under the three-point line, excuse me, all the way under the free throw line as soon as there's a pick that forces a switch. And so he's there in case the, uh, the guard drives to the rim um, and to stop the uh, lob at the rim. And JaVale just doesn't have the side-to-side movement as neither is Bismack. So that's what they've been doing. However, they've also been doing that with DA all year, putting him in a hundred percent drop coverage, or, or at least most of the time drop coverage where they were most successful a year ago, in my opinion, against small lineups was allowing DA to get out of the perimeter because he can stay with those guys. Maybe he's out of shape right now because he missed so much time this year. And he's not a guy who gets himself in tip top shape unless he's playing. I don't know what it is, but what I think was exposed on their defense is that if you can hit those threes, you can beat the Suns if you've got that kind of point guard who can induce you into that drop coverage, and then you're kind of stuck. And then all of a sudden, you're not playing your third best guy. I mean, Mikel Bridges is on a hell of a run right now, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But Aiton is clearly the th- Suns' most third most talented player. Um, as far um, on both ends, offense and defense, um, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Uh, and if you can't play him, and if Monty has been induced twice this week, Monty's been induced into going small in the fourth quarter for the entire fourth quarter, not playing any centers at all. One of those, he wasn't, DA wasn't available, and the other one, DA was. And he went all small. And that that worries me. That worries me that the Suns now are exposed because they're so dialed in on the drop coverage on pick and rolls that someone like a Trey Young or a Steph Curry or whoever it is, because Golden State can kill you with this with this uh, setup as well. And John Humble pointed out in the comments um, that, you know, that is a danger. And Golden State did that on Christmas. They made their threes when the Suns dared them to because they were in full drop coverage. So, um, Ethan, uh, sorry to not let you go last time, but go. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and plug early only because it has nothing to do with my talent or abilities. Uh, Philip, one of the co-hosts on our podcast, actually started last week a, a weekly segment about defending the pick and roll because we we realized we kept talking about hedging and switching and drop coverage and all that and realized mm-hmm. there may be some people that don't know what that is. So yeah. if you're interested, Phillip's, Phillip's been going through that and it's been really enjoyable. But no, I, I think... I think there's validity to both of what you all said. Uh, to Zona's side of things, do I think teams are going to shoot 20 of 41 regularly? No, I don't. Uh, the Suns are good at closing out even when giving the space. They're good typically on preventing offensive rebounds, which also assists in that stat. I'm not worried. I think it's more of a one-off, uh, an outlier, hopefully, to your point, though. It's something to monitor. I do think there is some concern which does bother me with with how the centers are handling those pick and rolls i do think part of it is da's just not looking himself quite yet and i don't know everything that went into his injuries and what's really going on but definitely not looking himself the minute splits over the last 
games he has played, I think he's averaged the fifth or sixth most minutes on the team, which that sounds crazy. Most centers are usually around third or fourth on their team outside of, I think, Gobert might be second on the Jazz. So like the minutes, pretty substantial drop off there. And he's just, he's looked slow. Uh, he's, he's not moving like he was before. So, and I think we saw that in the Spurs game, right? The Ish Wainwright experiment that went right. Monty hit and he stuck with it much longer than I think most fans probably thought he would have. But yeah, it it definitely put some seeds of doubt in the back of my head come playoff time. Like, will this work? Can we stick with having a, a true five on the court? Something that is always really iffy come playoff time. But the Hawks are also just loaded with shooters that have that level of confidence that they're going to throw it up there and think it's going to go in every time. So teams like that are dangerous, even if they aren't Warriors talent. Uh, but dudes like Gallinari, who've been doing it forever, and Bogdanovich, right? Like They hit a couple. They're going to keep hitting. And Trey Young can be 0 of 20, and he's still shooting that shot with a couple minutes left, right? So I- I'm hoping it's a one-off. I think they're a streaky team to begin with. But the defense didn't look the way it needed to, and it looked like they tried to claw back in the fourth just a little too late. Any other comments, Zona? No, I think uh, he hit it right on the head. It's And Atlanta's just one of those teams, too, that they've done this all year. They've just randomly made teams look really bad defensively. Uh, and then the next game you watch them, and they just you know look like a, a lottery team. So it's, they're one of the weirdest teams this year to watch. They literally just, flipped it against the Raptors the next night. After yeah, that's, the that's been the story of their season. So I think it's just kind of – it's more of a Hawks thing than a Suns thing, but there's definitely some takeaways, big picture that – we can look at moving forward. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for uh, Ethan's comment and some of the comments in the in the chat to be true that Monty's just experimenting. He's just trying stuff out. He wants to know what's gonna work come playoff time. I remember midseason a year ago, Monty was for the first time putting DA out on the perimeter to defend the best other you know best opponent after a pick and letting him switch and see if he could handle the switches. And when it first started. DA was pretty bad at it. And we were like, oh God, this is never going to work in the playoffs. Oh no, what's going to happen? And yet um, it ended up working out. So I think it's going to be fine. Um, I think it's going to be fine. I do worry about what the Suns think about DA though. I do. Um, so says Jay, I don't know if you're being uh, uh, sarcastic here. Um, you have a tendency to be sarcastic sometimes. Um, but I don't know that the Suns are 100% dialed in, bought in on DA as much as I am. Uh, so I think it's weird and, and definitely Monty's experimenting with different things. I don't think the Suns are falling for the stat sheet that, uh, Biz Mac is as good as DA just because he has a good game. Um, if you look at DA and I don't fall, I don't think the Suns are falling for DA as a product of Chris Paul because his numbers were actually better before Chris Paul as a 20 and 21 year old than they are now. Um, I think, uh, and, and Chris Paul doesn't make you rebound and doesn't play defense. So, uh, play your position defensively. He only helps you on pick and roll. So, um, I'm not, I don't fall for those, uh, storylines. However, I don't know behind the scenes as well. And I don't know that the Suns are a hundred percent stuck on DA. And this worries me a little bit because I believe the Suns best chance at winning the finals is having DA in every lineup. Cause he can go, he can play well against small lineups. Like he did against the Clippers. He forced the, you force the other teams to play your way. And he forced the Clippers 
out of their small lineups because they played so well against them. They took a 2-0 lead with the Clippers trying to go small. Um, so I think that's really tough if you're going to try to win a championship by reducing the talent level across your front line. One thing, Dave, that I've been monitoring because I very much was in the I'm going to analyze the different fives that we're rolling out and I'm going to watch them, right? Jalen's had his run. Biombo's had his run. One thing that the Spurs game made me do is instead of looking at how each different five is playing, how are the other four playing in regards to who's in at the five and how does their game get to change? And one thing that really just was clear as day for me was even when playing with an ish or a J at a five who has some ability to create some gravity behind the three point line, it opened up a lot for everyone else. And that is one thing that I want to keep monitoring as we see these different five rotations. It may be less about what they can do. Yes. So uh, that's what I was trying to say. Sorry, Ethan, I want to go along with what you're saying because my, I fully believe that it's DA that makes it easier, not just on Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but also on Mikel and Cam and and those guys around the way, because he sucks in the defense so much on his roles. And I don't think, um, and I know that Isaac Biombo and JaVale McGee and those guys don't suck in the defense quite as much unless they know Chris Paul with these pick and rolls. And then, and then, you know, when it, when they build up some momentum, then the defense might suck in. But I asked Cam Johnson one night after I think it was Bismack had a big night. And I said, um, is it any different for you in the corner, you know, waiting for that kick out? Do, do you see more help defense um, or less help defense now leaving you? Then when DA was in the lineup, he's like, yeah, it depends on the team, depends on the matchup. He thought about it for a second, depends on what they're trying to do. But he wasn't totally like us. Like when I asked Monty, what's the difference between, a, you know, DA and a, would you start DA over, over Bismack or JaVale? Monty's like, of course you start with DA. He's a much better um, uh, both ends and all that stuff and rim protection, everything. It's like, why are you even asking me? But I don't know that the players, I, I don't know. Maybe it was the way I asked the question. I thought, sure, Cam would say, the, the defense is helping less now with DA out. Yeah. So yeah, if you can watch that, that'd be great. Well, and I'm even seeing in terms of the space created, not as much in terms of, you know, the rollers creating that gravity, you've got that extra step, even just the ability to play five out, right? Like that, that is something that stuck out to me in that Spurs game was starting a set five out, continuous backdoor cuts, picks on each side, because Ish was in the corner, right? And Ish isn't a guy that's going to create a, a whole lot of gravity. I no offense to him and his incredible yeah. shoulders. But <laughs> having having a threat somewhere else opens a lot of the middle. And the more and more, and I know we're going to talk about this, the more we see Mikhail just continue to, to succeed on offense is when all their, that extra space down there for those extra backdoor cuts those extra 12-footers can be easily created when Chris can go to his right and not always have someone there waiting. So I'm I'm curious if he's almost testing out who can we play this five-out style with, which is very reminiscent of times of the Warriors at their best, where you know they've got guys on the perimeter that can make a good pass but also shoot, even if it's a funky Draymond Green hitch, right? Like There's still some credibility to having five shooters on the floor, yeah. and that's something I'm, I'm intrigued by. And the Spurs game really kind of hit me across the face with that. Of I wonder if they saw something there that they're going to try to take the next step with. 
but again, yeah, we'll see. And I think it might, I'm hoping it's just in season experimentation. It, well, okay. What I'm hoping for is that DA proves he's the right fifth guy. That's what I'm hoping for. And not I'm necessarily to you. be five I'm out with, with standing behind the three point line, but it's being able to stay with them on the defensive end and them being so much of a threat. I mean, what the Suns are doing when they're going five out, five small, is they're putting Mikel in the block, on the block, and Mikel's doing great at that. However, um, it's not ideal, right? Wouldn't it be better if it's a seven-footer and Mikel, who's a great three-point shooter, is out on the perimeter instead of trying to stand, get on the block? Um, the other thing is, um, John Humble pointed out, it's obvious CP3 and Book are frustrated with DA. Yeah. Yeah. Book's been frustrated with DA for five years now. Or no, sorry. Four years now. CP's been frustrated with DA for two years now. That doesn't mean they would trade DA, and that doesn't mean they don't want DA in their lineup. They just want him to be the best DA he can possibly be, and he doesn't always want to be that. But they know Chris is also the same guy who said DA was our MVP in the playoffs last year. Book um, Book's a tough love guy, and he's being reinforced by DA, who's a, or excuse me, by Chris Paul, is a tough love guy, and DA is a great foil for them because he has <laughs> unlimited potential, and he takes it. Like, you know, there's Chris, Chris Paul on that J.J. Reddick pod. They, um, J.J. asked him, has, you, has your leadership style changed? And he said, yeah, you got to coach. you got to deal with people differently depending on who they are. And he mentioned, I think it was him that mentioned, that um, D.A. is so good at taking the criticism that he, can, that he dishes out. Uh, but he didn't say how much he loves D.A., but he said that he does, uh, he does give D.A. The, the business a lot more than anybody else. And D.A. has said openly in interviews that he just takes it because he knows it'll make him better. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. D.A. has been just been out so much this first half. Hopefully he'll get back into that group. Hey, let's take just a quick second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL players are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team winning their game. Bet just $5 and you win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes also with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. you got to be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to our third quarter. True or false? I've got four burning questions. Uh, we don't want to take too much time on these, but we can take as much time as necessary to flesh them all out. The first true false, and I'm going to have Ethan go uh, first on the answer here. Uh, Mikkel Bridges has turned the corner to become an aggressive scorer on a nightly basis. True or false, Ethan? As much as I would love to say true, I'm going to stick with false. I think I think he's looked good and he's looked confident, but I don't think he is the guy that we can now assume is going to get between 15 and 20. I think I think his average in the the 10 to 15 is where it's at, but it is it still makes you feel good about the potential that's still there. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go false. Uh, I think it's definitely a great sign, but I think it's just uh, with Mikel, it's just more of like a night by night basis. Like he's still being shooting very efficient. I think it's been like uh, this, this stretch of games, he's been over 50%, you know, 60, 70% in some of these games. So I think it's just a matter of him hitting shots, being aggressive, you know, attacking like Trey Young, a uh, huge mismatch and, uh, you know, taking advantage of James Harden sleeping with the weak side cuts. So I think it's just kind of a, one of those stretches where he's he's taking advantage of the situation and playing aggressive. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's it's here to stay yet on a consistent level. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. Dave, you're muted. I hope we're all wrong. Uh, Mikel has had three straight 20-point games. I have a question for you guys. I hope you guys didn't look it up because I put this in the show notes. Um, I hope you didn't look it up. But um, how many times has Mikel even had back-to-back 20-point games in his career? Tell me how many back-to-back 20-point games Mikel has had in his career. Ethan, you go first. Mike, I don't remember it ever happening, but I'm going to hope with all your research maybe one in, what, four years now? Yeah, he's been in he's his fourth year. In the I'm going to guess one time. Zona. Uh, I'm going to go zero. I don't think it's ever happened. Am I, am I wrong? Well, this is a bit of a want want, but. Dang, stop me. He has... Dang, stop me. Oh, I did not ask I... for it twice. Oh, I gave it twice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because Mikel has never given no. it to us twice. Mikel has never had back-to-back 20-point games in his whole career. Every time he has a good game offensively, he has a bad one after that. Even in the finals, he had 27 points in game two. Barely scored after that the rest of the series. Um, So Mikel, has he turned the corner a little bit? I'm going to say true because this is the first time he's ever even had back-to-back, and he's had three straight. They've got uh, they've got something that they like about him offensively. They're feeding him the ball more. They're giving it to him in a um, in in a ways that that are working for him. And his mid range is just bang on right now. He's making every single one of those turnarounds. Yeah, with his was... weird uh, praying mantis legs and all that. It's just it's just incredible to watch him take a jumper. Yeah. Zona, Zona touched on it, Dave. I think the most exciting part is that this week he scored a lot and did it in a lot of different ways. Like it wasn't yeah. a Cam Johnson five of seven from three. It was good in the mid range, good on the backdoor cuts, and even the confidence. Which I know Trey Young is like a preschool size out there compared to most, but the fact that he said, "I've got this mat this matchup that's incredibly good for me. I'm gonna back this guy down and do little ten foot shots over." Like that's a level of offensive confidence that we have not seen from Mikhail before. To even on Monty's end to say, "Hey, Mikhail's the focal point on offense right now." Because that matchup makes sense. So I do think, to your credit, there is a big shift in terms of, I think, what some of us may be able to say is just his ceiling. uh, Because he's shown he can do it in a lot of ways. All right. Yes, we should give credit to Hello for first bringing up the stat me. And then uh, we just keep using it as a bit. That's true. We don't have many bits we use on here, but that's one of them. Um, All right. Second, true or false. So the Suns have Devin Booker and Chris Paul as in the All-Star game named to the All-Star game as reserves. Usually at least there are going to be at least one um, injury replacement. Draymond Green won't be playing in the game. Who knows if there's going to be more than one a year ago, two years ago. um, 
uh, Damian Lillard got hurt the night before the cut or whatever. I don't know. The, the Friday before the All-Star game, he got hurt. And Devin was named as his injury replacement. So any point in the next three weeks, will another Phoenix Sun make the team? Who and why? Zona first. I'm going to go with Mikel Bridges making it after the as the second injury replacement. I don't think he'll get the first one. Uh, I think... You know, if there's two, he'll get in. But if, if there's only one, it's going to be Anthony Edwards or DeJounte Murray, I think, at this point. Um, but if, if they're able to get two in there, I think Mikel will, will find his way in. Ethan, what about you? Sorry, I was too much enjoying Coach Fallen Founder's comment down there that hopefully we will not ignore. Uh, <laughs> but in <laughs> that's so uncomfortable, and I love it. In terms of the replacement i think i think you're right i think it would take a second one for mikhail my curiosity is and you guys might know do they typically try to do positional like for like on replacements because with draymond out i wasn't sure if it needed to be another big i feel like typically they've done that in the past um so if that is the case i think da doesn't make the cut mainly because of injuries but then i really was struggling to say who else would as a big in the west and jaron jackson jr was the only other name to pop in my head not because i think he deserves it but just because they are the hot team he's having his first taste of a breakout season so that's who i would I go with have, first I, I can't bring you back on this pod if you're i'm sorry Jaren jackson jr should make all-star before da it's We've the already injuries. got Trey young if, and luke i know Look, I think no, if guy, you got to go mute. I, that's that's fair. No, I think if Aiton played the full season, I think it would be his pretty easily. Um, but he's missed a lot. I know it doesn't feel like it because we keep winning, but he's missed a lot of games. Um, so I don't think he gets that. I do think Mikhail deserves that spot. I just don't know how they break down positionally. So hopefully he squeezes in there. I do think he's got a much better case than Aiton, not just in terms of production. But even just the way the media is talking about him, other coaches are talking about him. Mikhail seems to be getting a whole lot of love, and and I do see that turning into an all star uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I think if either the because of Aiton's injuries, I think in December Aiton was on track to be the one of those injury replacement reserves. I really do. I don't think he would have made it as a coach's choice, although he might have if he'd have stayed hot. I mean, the guy had what, 27 points in the game right before he hurt his his, his ankle. Um, he was on a roll. He was getting to be on a roll, and people uh, are forgetting that. He's got um, really good numbers this year. But then he got hurt, and he's been out the whole time. And so now he just suddenly can't – he's not going to be picked. And then Mikel, I think that would just be a, a pat on the back to the Suns because the Warriors got three guys in. So you, at some point, Adam Silver might go, okay, let's give the best team in the league the same number of players it would just be a be nice move yeah wiggins getting that starting spot really made it hard for me to even predict who the initial reserves would be because it really just it it took away some of the logic of who should be there you know i'm just happy the coaches finally are agreeing that devin booker should be an all-star reserve that he was they shunned him the last few years um, and Adam Silver had to call him, called Booker an injury replacement two years in a row. Um, so I'm really glad finally all it took was Booker setting um, an NBA historical record for most points in a playoff debut until the coaches finally said, okay, he can do it for a winning team, you know, and, and finally voted him in. 
So good for, good for the coaches finally coming around on him. All right, next, true, false. Oh, I'll, I'll give my answer. My answer is I'd say false because I don't think either of them totally deserves it. I think Aiden has missed too much time. And you can't put a 12 points a game guy in the, in the, um, that's Mikel. You can't put a 12 points a game guy in the all-star game. All right. Hey, next Draymond, one. Draymond's averaging like eight, eight, and okay, eight or something stupid also like doesn't, that. Uh, I know. Run the offense. Draymond I know. runs I the know. offense as well as doing the defense, but I, I wouldn't have picked Draymond either. So that's just me. Yeah. Uh, Draymond's also been to five straight finals in his career. Um, not the last few years, but in his career. Okay. Third true false. Cameron Johnson will be named to the uh, three-point contest for All-Star Weekend. Ethan, you first. I think you kind of already answered this one earlier. I think it depends on if Devin says yes or no. I think they have to go to him first as a previous winner. And to his credit, his three-point shooting has looked much better in season than it has in the past. But I, I don't see them doing a Clay Steph, two guys from the same team situation again. So I think if Devin says yes, Cam's out. If Book says no, there's a good chance Cam might get that spot. Yeah, I think we need to see the criteria too, if they're going to stick with the, the eight or if they're going to go down to six or however many participants are in. And if they're doing the whole, you have to be an all-star to, to make it thing. But uh, if – if they're opening uh, opening it up to the league, I think Cam Johnson will be in. Uh, I think he'll win it. That's my bold prediction. I think his shot is built for the three point contest, so uh, I'd love to see him in it. And uh, you know, maybe him and Book can get uh, All Suns Finals. Yeah, um, here's yeah. I, I think you guys have hit the nail on the head. Uh, the other the only other correlation I would make is I'm not 100 percent sure who picks. The three-point shootout guys, but if it's a league office, um, they won't give the Suns a third All-Star and another three-point contest guy. So I think it's gonna it's either Cam or um, if Mikel or Da make it to the um, All-Star game, you know that's that's kind of how I see it. Unless the timing is that way, unless the timing works out that way uh, somehow when you name each 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 set, but. Um, I think it was uh, Davis Bertans a few years ago, led the league in three-point percentage, but he came off the bench and was not picked for the uh, three-point shootout. That's the one that kind of sticks in my head as a, as a reason you don't pick a bench guy to, to come in. Whereas Joe Harris got to, I think he got named to the three-point contest, but he was a starter. So, okay, last true-false. Here we go. I'm going to set this one up before I... Uh, give you guys the bowling ball to roll down the alley, okay? Flex from Jersey last night. Now, I want to first comment that Flex has proven that he knows a lot of people in the Suns organization and he knows people in the league office. That does not necessarily mean that every rumor he hears is true because no matter how dialed in you are, no matter whether you're James Jones or not and you're trying to feed information to somebody else, Five minutes later, that can change before the deadline. The only time anything becomes true is after the deadline and the league office has been called with the trade package. But what Flex says is that the Suns have had at least some discussions with the Indiana Pacers about DeMontis Sabonis. DeMontis Sabonis is a two-time All-Star. He plays best as a center. He's been It's been a failure trying to play him with a center next to Miles Turner the past few years in, in Indiana. There's a ceiling. They play okay, but they don't play great together. DeMondo Sabonis does not play much defense. Uh, he's kind of like a supersized 
uh, Frank Dario combo. If you really like the Frank Dario backup center, make an all-star version of those guys, and you kind of got some bonus, right? Because Frank's really good at passing. Um, uh, uh, both guys can kind of hit, um, although Sabonis is much better offensively in the block. But then that's where DA goes. So you can't really, if you're going to get Sabonis, it probably involves DA going out. Flex is not trash, Nacho Man. He knows his stuff. It's just that the stuff changes on a day-to-day basis before the deadline. He knows the right people. It's just that nobody knows what's actually going to happen until James Jones and Robert Sarver call in a trade package. That's it. Um, The Suns will pick up the phone, probably have picked up the phone from 20 different NBA teams, if not all 30. The Indiana Pacers are just one of them. But I do have, I want to pose this as a true or false to you guys. What do you think? Will Sabonis become a Phoenix Sun in the next few days? Zona, you first. No, and I hope not. Uh, don't get me wrong, Sabonis is a great player, uh, but I want nothing to do with him here in Phoenix just because I think he really uh, limits you uh, defensively, especially in the playoffs. And, you know, I think the goal right now is, you know, just looking way too far ahead probably, but just, you know, looking at the Bucks and at Giannis, I think you need uh, you need someone to stop him, and that's not going to be Sabonis. Uh, you know, against Golden State, they would expose him as well. So I'm not a huge fan of the fit defensively. Offensively, they would be – Right. I mean, How can you play Sabonis, who is an all-star already, against Golden State when they're going five out? I don't see it. Yeah. Because he can't I, I even defend Looney. It just prevents – Not or, only can Sabonis not – stay on the perimeter sorry i'm just kind of trying to support you here yeah um he can't stay on the perimeter he also couldn't defend looney yeah exactly i think it just presents more issues defensively that especially in a playoff setting that you don't need um he would help the offense without a doubt i I don't have any issues with that but how much more help does the sun's offense need i think there's different ways you could do that by getting a third guard or another creator off the bench uh i I just don't see it i'm not a huge fan of this fit yeah um and I, I'm going to be weird. Um, Iverson blog says if the Warriors got Sabonis, how much trouble we'd be in? I actually don't think. I think that's great because Kevon Looney is actually a really good defensive center. If you put Sabonis in there as their five, um, yes, they can score. But again, Sabonis does not shoot threes. Um, he will score around the rim, but he also cannot play defense and he cannot protect the rim. So Aiden would have a field day with him. And Chris Paul and Booker in the the mid range would just would torch him on the switches. So yeah. it, it takes away what Golden State likes to do. I just I don't think I just don't see him being a starting center on a, a championship team. That's that's what and it comes no, down to. You cannot have DA and they've already proven in Indiana. Do you want to be Indiana? Do you guys want to be the Pacers playing a full a real center next to it's a bonus? It doesn't work. Uh Ethan, go ahead. It's tough to follow that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do a very clear, not a chance in the world that Sabonis is coming. Uh, Also, to add to the defensive woes, he's shooting like 31 or 32% from three. So if you're going to make a splash move, it should be to add something you don't have, which would be a five that can shoot. Why why bring that in if you don't need it? But I got to ask, as an outsider here in Kentucky, I've had engagements with Flex on Twitter before. Very kind pleasantries. We're both Vikings fans. Sorry, Cardinals fans. Uh, And so we've got that going. But I think the reason that the discourse seems so strong about him as a source 
in on Twitter and elsewhere is the the view of I guess how strongly the the fence can be straddled at times to where like one tweet is won't go into details, but this might be the biggest week in the history of the Suns. Buckle up, and then it's followed up immediately with just want to be clear. I'm just saying they could make a trade, right? So I think that is where as an outsider who doesn't know them or anyone else, there's a difference in that. And then what was it? Jake Fisher, the second coming of Woj this summer, who's just like, this will all happen. And that man just like dug his foot in the ground and said, I've got my sources. I know this is going to happen. And he shot like 80%. Like he had a bleach made bleach report look real good. Uh, it hit his shots. And so for me on the outside here, I'm not one that's going to hop in Twitter and be like, you're dumb. You don't know things to either side, right? I'm so far away. But stuff like this, I do get confused in terms of what's being heard other than, you know, maybe someone said, yes, a bonus is available. Well, yeah, I mean, the entire Pacers are available, right? We've been hearing that for three months. So I think it's hard to look at the Pacers and find anyone that has enough value that you could make a trade and it actually work out in your favor, right? Like even our, our wonderful dreams about getting Craig or holiday, like you still have to send stuff for him, right? Like trades are fun when it's stuff coming to you, but when you actually look at the other side of the line and realize, Oh, the Suns have to get rid of people. That makes a lot of these a whole lot harder. When as Brennan said multiple times, we're sitting at first in the league. Things are looking good. You've mentioned top 10 offense, defense, if not top five for most of the season. Like it just doesn't make sense to me, no matter who that yeah. name is. Yeah. You don't blow it up mid season. Now we revisit this in the summer. And if the Suns want to rejigger the entire lineup after this playoff run uh, going into the summer, when you've got to do a sign and trade, if you want to get rid of DA, or you want to move on from DA because you don't want to pay him the max great, then do it this summer, but don't do it at the trade deadline, not in the middle of your, of this season where everything is going so well, uh, just ride it out and get the best of DA again at the, on, in the playoffs. But, um, and so we'll talk about this again in the summer. I'm still not a huge fan of Sabonis period, but there are players in the league that I, that would make it worth uh, moving on if you have to move on from DA, but I don't want to move on from DA. I just want him to grow up a little bit more. I wanted to be ideal DA all the time. Will that ever happen? People don't have much patience, but you know what? <laughs> it happened when it needed to happen in the playoffs last year. So it's not like we have to wait for him to grow up to win a championship. Suns could have won the championship last year and it wasn't DA's fault that they didn't. Do you all think that there's anyone on the Suns right now that's actually in danger of being moved? Cause like people like to throw out DA because it's fun and exciting and gets clicks on Twitter. Realistically, I don't see any team just magically putting a huge package together, right? For a franchise center. And so I think we got to take some steps down into like the Shamit, Sarich, Jalen Smith world. I'm not willing to put Cam Johnson out there. I know some are. Do you guys, like if you had to guess who could be moving, do you guys have any inkling on, on who realistically here could be moved? Well, I'm sorry. One last comment. Hello had said, I will answer your question, Ethan. Um, but um, yeah, he's playing exactly like my worry when he received the contract. You guys, Aiden was playing better this year than last year until he got injured. So don't give me his plan. Like this past three games, he's been he's been not very good. But that's not how he's played this year. Anyway, Ethan, your, your question was, 
who could be moved or who would we move, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the Suns love Landry Shaman way too much. I don't think they're going to trade him yet. Although I do believe that his contract was signed starting for next year to be tradable. The Suns needed mid-sized contracts for trade. Dario would have been great, but he got hurt. So you can't really trade him. He's not worth the value that he otherwise would be because teams don't get anything out of him in year one. I do think that you can't trade Peyton. He's on a one-year contract uh, minimum, one-year minimum. You can't do that. Um, Dario can be traded, but he doesn't have a lot of value. Jalen can be traded, but he doesn't have a lot of value. The Suns don't have a lot of value to send out. So if they're going to make a trade, it'll be along the Torrey Craig side where it's a guy who could play 15 minutes a night in the rotation and might fit um, some some hole that we've got, which is basically the Torrey Craig hole um, that he filled last year. So that kind of thing. Um, I don't think I don't think the Suns are going to trade Shaman in the next week. Although they did conveniently, James Jones did conveniently say that Shaman will be reevaluated after seven more days last Wednesday, which is the trade deadline <laughs> uh, because of his his uh, rolled ankle. But the Suns have been careful on angles and I just don't see them doing it yet. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. So that's it for the true false section. Um, we are almost an hour here, so we're going to preview the upcoming games that are happening this week. There are some big games happening this week. Uh, we've got, um, the Suns are at the Wizards on Saturday night. By the time you're watching this or listening to the pod, they will have already played the Wizards. Uh, then they're going to go at the Bulls. Uh, Zach Levine's been in and out of the lineup. I th- I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play. I'm assuming the Bulls are fairly healthy for that game. And then the next night on a back-to-back, they're at the Sixers, who um, can look like world beaters one night and then, um, you know, egg beaters the next night. Um, and then on Thursday, I believe, or Friday maybe it is, the Bucks. All four of those games will happen before we record again on Saturday morning. They host the Bucks in Phoenix. I think that's Friday night. So Wizards, Bulls, Sixers, Bucks. Three winning records. Three teams with winning records in this next week. Um, Zona, what do you predict? What do you think about these games? And what do you predict the Suns are going to do? Yeah, there's going to be some tough tests for sure. I think uh, I'm going to go two and two. I think they they beat Washington. uh, And then those two games uh, in between and the back-to-backs against Chicago and Philly, I think they're going to have a tough time. And they're going to drop both of those games. But then they're going to follow it up, get some revenge against Milwaukee uh, at home you know, play fired up. So I'm going to go two and two, which, you know, would be one of the worst stretches of the season for them, which is uh pretty funny. Yeah. I, I, I put them at three and one. I was leaning two and two at first. And then I, I talked myself out of losing to the bulls. Uh, so I went three and one losing to Philly. I think Philly, when they look good, look really, really good. Um, Back to back, so many away games, man. It's been a it's been a crazy stretch. I feel like uh, for the last week and a half, amongst a lot of this winning streak, I think eight of those wins might have been on the road. Um, so I'm looking forward to the game against Milwaukee at home. I think that's going to be a fun one. I forgot to check. I think either the Sixers or Bucks game is on TNT as well. And I know a lot of our guys do seem to do well on those games. So I'm going to go three and one, but two and two wouldn't shock me. Dave, you're muted again. 
Oh, man, I keep not wanting to talk over you guys. I think Nathan Reeve in the chat can be helped. You guys can help out Nathan and explain what happened on the on the we just upgraded on our host. That's what we did. Um, okay, so what's my prediction over the next week? Um, again, three road games, one of them on the second game of a back to back, and then hosting the Bucks. You know, my pessimistic side's gonna want to say two and two. Uh, but these sons, they figure out how to win. I think they're going to be pissed off after that Atlanta Hawks game. Um, I, I think everything is going really well. And let's say um, I'm going to say I'm going to go four and zero. I'm just going to say four and zero. I don't I don't 100% believe it's going to happen, but I'm going to wish it into existence. Um, although whenever I say the Suns are going to lose, then they actually end up winning. So maybe I should switch that up, but I'm going to go four and I think they're going to have a good week. Um, and, uh, we'll just, we'll just go along with that. All right. So, uh, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to play my, uh, um, uh, a video here for you guys for a second on, uh, going out. And when we come back, we're going to tell you where to find us, tell you what's coming next and what to expect this week. So give me just a couple of minutes. Of course, now I've got to find this this thing uh, to play. Uh, so give me just a minute. Hello. I am, of course, in the wrong section. Leave all this stuff to me, and I don't know what I'm doing. Here we go. Oh, I just need one more minute of your time. Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at BrightSideOfTheSun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game-time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who put their lives on the line to save others. Now, we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You're either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. You make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to sons.com slash brightside. That's sons.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes, and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this, and I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's sons.com slash brightside. Hey, this. All right. Um, we are a little shorter on tickets this year than we were last time pre pandemic. So I'm wondering if it's maybe pandemic related. I don't know. Uh, we've got so far, there's only a week and a half until the game on February 16th. And we're about 2,300 tickets donated. I really appreciate everybody who has donated so far this year. That's really incredible. That includes the Suns matching. That includes the uh, SB Nation matching a little bit, uh, some of our donations. Um, but if you have not donated yet or you want to donate some more, it's for a great cause. It's, it's uh, to send healthcare heroes and first responders 
to a Suns game. And you know how fun the Suns games are these days. They're all sold out. So for us to be able to get these folks at these games to have an incredible experience is really worth it. Please make a donation. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, And uh, thank you to all those who have donated already. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, Let's tell us where we can find you and what's coming up this week. So Zona, uh, you go first. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zona Hoops underscore. My work on uh, Bright Side of the Sun, ZonaHoops.com. And uh, thanks to Ethan for coming on. This is a fun one. Uh, Yeah. Ethan, where can we find you? Uh, You can find uh, me at Twitter, at Ethan Shutt, all one word. Uh, But check out the podcast. I know we're newer to the Bright Side group, but we have been really enjoying it. Um, follow us on Twitter at the Valley PHX, and that way you can stay up to date with new episodes coming out and stuff like that. But Dave, this is awesome, by the way. Video was great. I think it's so cool that we're able to be a part of that in any tiny tiny way. So I think it's super awesome, man. You guys got to get all of Kentucky to donate so people can go see Devin Booker play some basketball. Hey, they would do it in a heartbeat, guaranteed. All right. Well, advertise us on your show. I can send you the video even if you want me to. But anyway, yeah. we'll talk offline. Sounds All good. right. So <laughs> I'm Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find uh, my work, my written work at brightsideofthesun.com. And of course, this podcast here. The podcast and Brightside are all on Twitter as well. Um, Sun Solar Panel on Twitter and uh, Brightside Sun on Twitter. So follow us if you're not already following us. Subscribe here on YouTube. Subscribe on the audio feed. On the audio feed, I'm going to try to track down, actually, um, if we get a little more fire to the smoke of Devonta Sabonis, then I'm going to get a a really cool Indiana Pacers writer on for a midweek pod. Otherwise, I'll bring on one of the insiders um, around the nation, one of the national insiders, to talk about what what they're hearing about the Suns this coming week to see if there's any corroboration or any new rumors coming out. So keep an eye on the audio feed uh, for Suns Solar Panel on any of your podcast channels. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Zona. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you all the chatters for being so engaged. I really appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you again next time.